Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Your Week with St. Luke's. We are lecturing and uh, kind of foregoing our lecture for more of an office hours podcast today. We have all four clergy as we talk about Palm Sunday and Holy Week and what it means. We're glad that you are with us and joining us um, as we kind of bring a conclusion to the study of Mark and move into Holy Week. So I want to just ask the pastors, let's start off with what have you learned during this time spent with the Gospel of Mark? More time than I've ever spent with them, that's for sure. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was saying yeah, something yeah. to somebody this week. I, I mean, in seminary, we go through the whole New Testament in a semester. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even, even in the time we, I think, as clergy are supposed to study Scripture most intently, you, don't, you still don't get this kind of in-depth experience. It's a lot experience. faster. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, this is certainly the most time I've ever spent with a single gospel. And, and watching the events unfold not piecemeal, but in order, mm-hmm. and and the whole thing, I think is really fascinating. Yeah, it's been powerful and helpful also to to read it slowly mm-hmm. and see the through line. You know, because I think uh, I shared on the first Sunday of of this whole thing that one of the churches I serve, we read four chapters of the Bible a day every day for three hundred sixty five days. That's a this, lot. It's a lot, and how much can you really take in? And so. I thought we, I would get bored with Mark, mm-hmm. but I found that, that, that when I wasn't doing a lecture and prepping ahead of time that I was reading mm-hmm. along with, and uh, you could see the through line. You could see the stuff that Evie talked about in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a bit refreshing for me. Yeah. I think, uh, and I don't know how it was taught to you all, but Mark has always been taught to me as a pretty cut and dry, fast moving. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, gospel, but I think that, like you were saying, having the opportunity to take it slow, and like you were saying, this is the most time I ever spent with it myself. I realized that there is, I don't know, a lot of good eating uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as you slow down and you yep. really yeah. look at each chapter. Um, I think one thing that struck me specifically, just just a small little little block in that whole building, is just the idea that Jesus is going back to the temple day after day after yeah. day after day. And receiving those uh, those challenges, and it kind of really towards the end of the chapter makes that tension really big mm-hmm. because you keep wondering. It's like you're blown. It's like Jesus is blowing up this balloon, and you're wondering how much air can go in there before it pops. And of mm. course, we know the end of the story. We know that the balloon does pop, and all of that tension that's gathered from Je- from Jesus continuously going to the temple right. and causing trouble mm-hmm. eventually comes to a head. But but it just makes for a different reading experience. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Jack. Well, I was going to say, and, and that um, we ran into the problem of, we read about the triumphant entry, Palm Sunday, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just had Palm Sunday like... Yesterday. Yesterday. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. And to, uh, to see, for me, what that said was, look how quickly we rush. Right, yeah. And how much Mark spends these last few, that, that, this Holy Week that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. that we, we miss so much, we rush so fast, and there's that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He enters and he leaves and he comes back and he comes back, yeah. and we miss that dynamic that, that builds all of the, the tension. Mm-hmm. You really feel the tension when you're reading it this slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think going back to what you said, Jeremy, too, that I, I think I was taught in seminary that Mark is a source text. Right. And so you, yeah. you, you learn Base about line. Mark All it's good for. <laughs> as, as the source for the others. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Eby did such a great job of setting us up for this. Mark has its own 
personality, yeah. has its own yeah. agenda, yeah. has its own story that is distinct from mm -hmm. the other gospels. Mm -hmm. And it being the first gospel, um, which always throws me off because I always look for Mark at the beginning of the New Testament. I have to remember <laughs> right, that it's actually right. Matthew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it being the first gospel, what does that say about how this story has been told over time, that this is the first way right. this story was written down mm -hmm. with this rough Jesus, mm -hmm. with this, I love your image of the balloon, of, of seeing that, that you know, expand and seeing that you know, grow and seeing the tension mm -hmm. built in a way that I don't think we're gonna see in the other gospels. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I've, yeah, it's I've, been great. I think Luke is still gonna be my favorite at the end of this, but Mark, <laughs> is, Mark is easily gonna be a second. I hear a saying in big ways that it's taught us as, being the first gospel written, being the first one that we look at as a church, to stop in some ways imposing our perspectives on right. the text and let the gospel tell the story again yeah. to us anew. Like really to, we think that we're putting our biases and the things that we're coming into it, uh, into it with to the side, but it's like, no, actually put those things to the side mm -hmm. and let the gospel speak to you and mm -hmm. tell you a new story mm -hmm. as if you have never heard it before. Yeah. And there's so many pieces that we just pull out. So I, I a couple weeks ago, the widow's might, the mm -hmm. widow giving her two pennies. Right. That story by itself tells a different story than that story in the context of the whole chapter. Yeah. Yep. And I had never gone there before. Yeah. But having to do the whole chapter changes what that story tells us. Right. And yeah. I think yeah. we've seen that in literally every chapter that has happened to us of going, oh, this is a story I've preached a hundred times, yeah. except I've never preached it this way because I didn't take it in this context. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's so easy sometimes, especially whether you're a lectionary preacher, um, you only get bits and pieces. Yep. Or when you're even doing pre theme preaching, which we do both here at St. Luke's, mm -hmm. um, the theme preaching, it can be like, okay, well, which gospel do we want to use the story of the feeding of the 5,000? But this has been an opportunity to read the story of the 5,000, how many, or the feeding yeah. of the 5,000, <laughs> right. three, two, three right. times right. In, in Mark. And to recognize, yeah, it has so much contextual meaning when you sit with the whole chapter and when you sit with what preceded it and what comes after it, it's a totally different understanding than just picking that up and mm -hmm. using it to preach in a theme, mm -hmm. right. you know? And, and, and I would say even the urgency I felt reading Mark, which, because uh, it goes quickly, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. The urgency told me more about Jesus in it mm -hmm. too. And mm -hmm. I learned and related more to Jesus in a totally new way, which that's the next question I wanna ask us is that it was funny when we said this a year ago, when we were talking to Ryan and Eb, they're like, don't do Mark first, don't do Mark first. And we're like, no, 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 yeah. we're gonna sit with Mark first. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and I'm so glad like you said we did mm -hmm. because I've met Jesus, a Jesus that I um, have always felt hinted at in some ways and kind of hinted around in my own relationship, but I've met him mm. in new ways. And I love Mark's Jesus. Yeah. Like I've always loved Luke, but I love, I love Mark's Jesus. And so we've talked about a rough Jesus, an emotional Jesus, mm -hmm. a Jesus who makes friends, but has high expectations mm -hmm. of that friendship. Mm -hmm. A miracle worker Jesus, we met a physical Jesus, you know, he spit a lot, he touched a lot. <laughs> gritty. Um, lonely, prophetic, mm -hmm. gritty. So let me ask you this, this Jesus who is the secret Messiah that must suffer, 
He talked a lot about ransom theory, which all of us could go, oh, I don't like that atonement theory. All right. of four mm-hmm. of us right. are like that. But right. I love that. I love that yeah. here. Right. What about you? Where, where, which Jesus have you met in Mark that you? I love the snarky Jesus. Snarky like Jesus. so again, yep. like reading through the the interactions he has with the disciples because we always like oh the disciples the they always they never get it. Jesus is right there with them, going, <laughs> "Gosh, guys, come on!" I mean, he's mm. so snarky. I, I mean, even when I would read the text and, and worship before I preach or something, I'd say, "Snarky Jesus," like my own commentary on the side. But it's right there, mm-hmm. so I, I enjoyed that because that makes him more human. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I get frustrated with myself. I get frustrated with people, and I can get snarky, and I can be that way. And so that was that was kind of funny, but I was also just poignant. I think for me. I think I'm in the same space of, I just, I love, and I love being able to read scripture dramatically that way. So mm-hmm, it's been really mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. to get to play with the scripture and to be like, okay, guys, come on. Like mm-hmm. that that kind of Jesus piece. But I think there's this weird contrast because you get this rough, snarky, um, very uh, uh, like irritated moments yeah. where you get Jesus who, you know, you, you get those 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 uh, uh, descriptors where he looked at them and he loved them and he, you know, mm. all of those emotions. Mm-hmm. But what, but he keeps doing it. And so you see this, this snarky Jesus who is also very patient. Yeah. And, and, and those don't have to be two different things. Right. That mm-hmm. you can be both gentle and rough. And, and so I think, it, it's it's interesting to see Jesus as a lot of things um, because he's snarky, but he's snarky 1,800 times in this gospel because he's sticking with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we heard that message of mm. the, the Jesus who stays and the Jesus who, even when we just don't get it, and, and while we've preached that probably 100 times in different ways, going through Mark this way, see like really seeing Jesus sticking with people who still don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, y'all could probably guess this about me. I I still love Jesus the Liberator, just and, and not even necessarily in the places that we uh, lectured about or that we got to preach about. But I think about Jesus the Liberator, and I think about Jesus and children. I think about the mm-hmm. the Jesus who says, "No, the least of these, the most oppressed folks." You know what I'm saying? The people who don't have um, uh, agency over what they'll eat or if they'll eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the folks that you need to emulate to inherit the kingdom, yeah. um, and and because that's a lesson. Those are lessons we're still trying to learn. I mean, even when we still think about the way that we um, treat children and just people, mm-hmm. we're still trying to learn that lesson that um, uh, that God is on the side of the oppressed, and the least of these are the folks that who should be emulated because they know something about the kingdom. They know something about yeah. No, no, no. Keep going. I lost it. <laughs> no, I was just like I was holding I was holding what you were saying in my hand yeah. visually because I realized there's a word that we didn't use to describe Jesus but that you just with all the events of the last week we see what protective love does look like mm-hmm. a protective mm-hmm. love where his people are being harmed mm-hmm. and he does speak up yeah mm-hmm. he does speak up yeah mm-hmm. But he uses his hands to heal. Right. Models love. Yeah. He models what love and protection. Jesus the protect, liberator and protector. Yeah. I was holding that liberator word mm. kind of mm-hmm. in my hand to, mm. to feel its weight. And I realized he's, the, he's a protector of the people who get, get healed and, and they go after him and like, you know, why are you healing? The, and he lets 
He lets them have a voice. He lets them get up from the mat. He lets them say, I can see now. He lets them say, I can't see fully Right, yet. right, right. right. It's not you clear know? yet. Right. He, and, and he protects them from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Right. It, right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, you, go ahead. I'm just saying, like, when you, I think in that whole idea of Jesus and children or Jesus and women or Jesus and people who happen to be sick, I think exp- I think when you're oppressed, you learn something about power that makes maybe makes you uniquely uh, uniquely shaped to wield power. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think I think that we learn a lot about that from watching and looking at Jesus and who he chooses to spend his time with and who he chooses to be patient with mm-hmm. and who he chooses to not be patient with. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Who he chooses to to respond to. Uh, with soft words and the people that Jesus decides to snap at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all interesting. And it's not even that there's not love in the snap. Nope. No. Well, and he snaps at us, period. That's all I want to say. Yeah. It's, it, it's just us. Yeah. The, the church is who he snaps at. The people who should know better. At, yeah. 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 The people yeah. who should yeah. know better. And yeah. so while... While the disciples, the disciples are the ones that have followed. So when he just snaps at the disciples, or when yeah. he snaps at the Pharisees, right? You know, you you should know better. Yeah. And I think that's where we have to receive that that accountability from Jesus at times because we should know better, and yeah. we don't always. And yeah. it's okay that we don't always. Yeah. But we, that that's discipleship is is knowing that we should know better and trying to to. When you know better, you do better. What is that? Is right. That, yeah, yeah, something like that. But I mean, that fits within the the Lenten theme of uncomfortability. That's a real uncomfortable yeah. word, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Because no, because we, I, yeah, sometimes we don't know better. A lot of times we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we do, and it's just so uncomfortable to think about <laughs> needing to walk through the world that way, mm-hmm. as if we know better. Yeah. And I was gonna say that's for me what's been powerful about Lent, this Lent, Lent in particular, but then this Lent in in, in particular, that there's those things that we've identified in each of these chapters that. Jesus is calling us to, like, even if we know better. Yep. I, I mean, for the most part, what we've been preaching about, these things we need to die to, yeah, we know that. Right. Mm. Jesus calls to it, and we still aren't doing it. Mm. Um, and I don't know about everyone else, but coming up and putting these things on the altar is powerful mm-hmm. and transformative. But then I wonder how many things we then take back when nobody else is looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that, that, that I pray will lead us through Holy Week mm-hmm. um, as it's the culmination of all of these things. Which leads us into the discussion of Lent and Holy Week as I wear my Palm Sunday shirt. Yeah. This is a scriptural shirt yeah. <laughs> that St. Luker gave me that says, Jesus said, leave her alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's a space where Jesus is inviting the world to leave us alone for a minute during Holy Week, mm. and 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 how do we mm. let the world quiet down so that we can really hear Jesus leading us through Holy Week? So it, it's interesting. The theme came up. I will be completely transparent. This theme of dying to live mm. came from these three pastors because I had sat with the text. Um, as I usually do for a long time and listen to everyone say, we need an easier Lent. We don't need to push people so hard. And and I kept going, but the scripture says, (laughs) literally the scripture says, 
die, 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 die. And I'm just really stuck. And I literally got up in a meeting and said, guys, I'm done. I can't sit with this text anymore. The three of you figure it out, which I don't think I've ever done that before. Not not to that extent, no. Um, And I walked away and I just gave it to these three amazing clergy and they found this incredibly beautiful through line that really, a through line in every chapter, Mm -hmm. you guys nailed it. Mm -hmm. Like the through line of dying to will, the through line of dying to ego, every chapter, Jesus, which is remarkable because what it means is Jesus from transfiguration on, yep. we didn't make this stuff up. No. no. Jesus is literally saying, these are the things, if you are going to come down this mountain and be my disciple, this is the cross you have to pick up. Mm-hmm. And it is your will, your mm-hmm. ego. And they each do lead yep. one to another. Oh, man. It's yeah. like yeah. We, 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 we cracked the code. Mm-hmm. You all cracked the code. <laughs> on what Jesus was trying to get us to die to before we got to the cross. Mm-hmm. Well, and the transfiguration is such a hard story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is such a weird, and it's a weird story for Mark particularly. Now now having spent time in it, it's, it's a weird, you know, Mark is gritty and earthy and the transfiguration is ethereal Lofty. and magic, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so seeing that moment as a turning point, I think is what opened, like you said, unlocked this sort of picture of, where, where, what, what shift does Jesus make there? Mm-hmm. And, and while Eb would tell us he's been moving towards the cross the entire time, right. we see, okay, now I'm like beelining to the cross here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everything between here and there is going to be preparing myself for death, but preparing everybody else yeah. for it too. Yeah. Jesus yeah. is like, if you're going to, if you're going to be able to watch me on the cross and get it finally, you're going to have to, my disciples have to die to these things before we get to Golgotha, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. we get to Calvary. Yep. You've got to die to these things or you're going to look at that cross and you're going to run like Peter. You're going to run. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you know, and, and which they do. Oh, right. Lord, what, I'm, what an opportunity is to prepare ourselves. I think your dad commented uh, today in uh the Facebook chat and said, we believe Christ was born and so we celebrate Christmas and we believe Christ died, so we celebrate Easter. But how many of us believe just Christ in our everyday behavior? And I just mm. think about what an opportunity to prepare our hearts for the gift that is the resurrection of Easter and what a personal responsibility is to actually do it, Yeah, to actually uh, stay attuned to everything we need to die to, to actually, I don't know. It's, I, I'm just overwhelmed by that in this moment. Yeah, well, and it, it, I remember a class in seminary, I think it was the wor- a worship class or something where the professor said, you know, most Protestants, we go jump from Sunday to Sunday. We jump the triumph of Palm Sunday mm-hmm. and the, the triumph of Easter. And you say on Easter, hey, he's alive. And people who don't know the story look around going, when did he die? Yep. And we've been- Why did he die? Right, no, yeah, no, yeah even why, like, when and why and that. That this goes back to the beginning of our conversation, but it's full circle because we're talking about Mark. That we he's been saying it, he's been calling us to it, and um, I I think at least for me and I hope for everyone else, the soil has been turned up for Holy Week. Mm. The 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 soil has been fully turned, and we're and we're ready to to sit through Thursday and mm. Friday. Saturday. Well, in this morning too, or Sunday morning, yesterday morning, um, 
it was dying to certainty. And so you have mm -hmm. this juxtaposition of in one chapter of 14, this woman who anoints him and, and pours out her expensive perfume, anoints him at the beginning of the chapter, and then it ends with Peter running, right? Mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so you have this, the, the certainty and then the failure of, fa our failure mm -hmm. of certainty, yep. you know, because again, all these things that we talked about really do sit onto Peter in that moment. Do yeah. you know this Jesus? Mm -hmm. And is his ego, his will, the earthly authority, the facade, all of the things Idolatry. that we've died to, yep. like rest on Peter in that moment mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. his certainty fails. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so fascinating because I think that's true for all of us. When we get to Holy Thursday and we go to pray with Jesus and we fall asleep and all those things, we realize that all the stuff that we've died to all of these weeks, it's here and now. Will you be the one who stands at the foot of the cross and trust resurrection? And I think I think that's where our certainty gets pushed. Yeah. And none of that makes him any less of a disciple. No. Mm -hmm. None of that takes away his identity as a follower of Jesus. We don't know that in Mark, though. We don't get that till John. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, Mark, we're, we're kind of left. There. Yeah, it's yeah. just there. There's so mm -hmm. many things that are undone. But but just but like yes, we see throughout right. the the stories, that that not understanding or not getting it does not remove discipleship, dis disciplehood. Right. But that if we take discipleship seriously, we will continue to try. <laughs> right. We will continue to try to move forward, mm -hmm. and 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 that dying to certainty lets us step back and go, okay, I'm, I'm gonna miss it sometimes. And if I'm too overconfident, cause that gets into the ego and the will and all of that. So it does. Right. It, it, it's interesting, as you mentioned, Jen, in, in chapter 14, it does begin with this woman who's unnamed, who, who gives all of her, all that she has. Mm. Um, yep. I said in the lecture last week that um, all of the power within her, she gives to the gospel message of Jesus. Yep. And that, like you said, Peter, he gets, he goes all the way to the courtyard. Right. Mm. Nobody else does, but he doesn't put himself into Caiaphas's home alongside. Um, mm. but, but I think, again, the first hearers of this can appreciate all of those dimensions and mm -hmm. us reading it slowly can appreciate all that too. Um, and if that, you that know Peter's that- still redeemable. Well, and if you know that, again, the rest of the story, that eventually Peter is the one on whom Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church. Right. What does that say about the church and what it means to be the church, mm -hmm. to be built on Peter? That's yeah. good, Melissa. That's real good. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe, maybe should end it there. <laughs> Wait, hold on, we can end it there because we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this beautiful yes. oh, sure. life cycle vision, the work that Nan Knight created, our graphic designer, and then our our incredible, incredible uh, lay people with Ben Adams put together, mm -hmm. um, Skip, Skip and yeah. Pixie. Uh, Pixie, and, yeah. yeah. They created this life cycle, this picture we've had before us so of things that both die, mm -hmm. that have to die in order to live. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the way of creation. It's the way God made these mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. whether it's the butterfly, whether it's the dandelion, all of these things. Um, 
it's been interesting because we use this as a life cycle. We've also tried to play around with the life cycle of humanity. Mm -hmm. That in many ways, this is the movement from toddlerhood to teenage (laughs) life to college kind of age life, middle life, et cetera. What is it about this life cycle that gives you hope for Easter? Like, part how of has it, it moved you? Part of it for me is that it seems to me possibly even something, um, even something that we still have to die to. You know, mm. we, we, hmm. we attribute these characteristics and these character traits to different stages of life and, and stuff like that. But I think that uh, especially when we go way back to when we, uh, when we specifically added age groups to these things, right? Mm-hmm. I think if y'all were like me, you realize that y'all had some characteristics of a toddler and <laughs> of you see what I'm saying? Yep. And, and these life do. experiences that I haven't even had yet that we conceived around. So like the idea of being uh, someone who's newly retired and, 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 and thought that they had everything set up and now doesn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. I, I've experienced that to a degree in my life too. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting that in the idea of dying to live, our perceptions about our metaphors or even something we've had to die to, but they've served us so well yeah. in the meantime and given us something to die to. I mean, it, it's just been a gift all around. Mm-hmm. Look at that water. I'm not, I hate to, <laughs> I know, that always, water. So, yeah. that always gets me every time I walk in it's here. Really that, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's been interesting to me because I, as I look at that, this, this life cycle that we see before us, I go, why do I think I'm the only one that doesn't, like like humans or me doesn't have to surrender to it. Mm-hmm. Like if all of creation does, mm-hmm. why am I the exception to the rule? <laughs> yeah. You know, because you go, I don't want to die to these things. Why are we talking about death? I don't want to die, blah, 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 blah. But why Why do I think I'm so special? Yeah. If If I can look in creation and see that it's beautiful and that it's, it's better on the other side. Why mm. don't I trust it? That's what's been my Lenten hang up. Yeah. I Oof. think what it gives me for Easter is, is motivation to keep going because particularly when, you know, this is our work that, that and particularly me as my, my role being worship, it's doing the same things every year, y'all. Like Easter's going to come again next year. It came last year. It came the year before. I mean, <laughs> how do you preach the same story that never changes? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've heard Jen say that so many times. But I think you know this idea of life cycle goes into something that one of my professors in, in undergrad, my religious studies professor, talked about. He called it the great nest of being. That it's and, and I think it's it's similar to, to spiral dynamics where you you know you you come back to the same thing, but hopefully each time you come back to it that we do experience the same things throughout our lives but each time we come back to it hopefully we're we're a little better than we were before mm-hmm. hopefully we do know a little better mm-hmm. we are doing a little better mm-hmm. and and there's something about needing to come to easter every year that it's not oh yeah of course heroes again yeah got it thanks it's yeah. okay what resurrection am i needing now what yeah. resurrection are we experiencing in the community now what yeah. what is it that we need to to learn each time and when you think about life cycles, you think about evolution, and you think about us growing as as a species, and you think about our our world growing and, and developing and, and adapting, and and so I think it opens up Easter and Holy Week and the whole liturgical cycle 
to be an opportunity for sanctification, to be an opportunity for growth, to be an opportunity for, for communal mm. evolution. Mm -hmm. That's where I was going with, with, with what you said there, is that as Wesleyans, sanctification, mm -hmm. that um, our belief in God's grace is a sanctifying grace that is continually working on us, tra mm. transforming us, changing us, makes every Easter a new Easter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not an Easter where we remember that 2,000 years ago Jesus resurrected. It's an Easter where Jesus is resurrected. Right. It's not a Lent where we, oh, I'm gonna give up meat or sugar because that's what we do. It's a Lent where God's working on me and I'm gonna join God in this sanctifying work. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna open myself more to what God is doing, not only what God <coughs> has done, mm -hmm. but what God is doing. And so that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm a Wesleyan, I'm sure for y'all <laughs> as well. It's that this idea of God's grace is not just something that happened, but that is happening. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, every year it's a fresh and a new. The text is the same, but how it shapes us, right. um, we can be open to new ways that the, the word of God and Christ shapes us. Well, and it's beautiful, I think, corporately, too, because I'm watching, I think we're watching with great anticipation as our church is being resurrected. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. as people are getting engaged and coming mm -hmm. back and coming, it's like, it's like our campus is coming to life again. Yeah. Yeah. And I just can't wait to see what is gonna happen on yeah, Easter. Yeah. I, like I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to the resurrection of myself and my own stuff I'm going through, but I can't wait to see how this campus will be resurrected and come to life on Easter yeah. in a whole new way. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna be awesome, which- It's before, a great segue for an invitation, it is, Jen. It is, <laughs> so I wanna remind you that, uh, you know, you, you don't don't skip, don't don't miss yeah. and jump from palm from from hosannas to hallelujahs. Mm -hmm. Get in the get in the groundedness of Mark yeah. with us. Join yeah. us on Holy Thursday at seven o'clock in Founders Hall. Um, we will be leading alongside our youth mm -hmm. um, a really powerful service of Holy Thursday and what happened and, and communion and washing and going to the garden with Jesus. Then Good Friday, we have two separate services at 7.30. Um, one is going to be in the sanctuary and one in Founders Hall. We're going to walk through the Good Friday scriptures. We're going to move from light to darkness with music and scripture um, and some liturgy. And we want you to be a part of that. And then, of course, come back on Easter Sunday where we have uh, four services. So we have two 9.30 services and two 11 o'clock services. And we are just going to have an amazing, beautiful, glorious resurrection. So we hope to see you then. And until next week, we sign off. May you be resurrected. Mm -hmm.